Welcome to the Research Works podcast. My name is Dr. Dana Poole and I get the privilege of bringing to you a very special series this week. I am here in Slovenia at the European Academy of Childhood Disability interviewing the researchers and presenters about their work. This is very exciting and I can't wait for you to delve into this whole research conference series. We hope you enjoy the series. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to our conference series in Slovenia at EACD 2023. It is bright on a Friday morning and I have the wonderful Dr. Stacey Cleary here. Good morning. Good morning, Dana. (laughs) You're very perky. (laughs) It is quite early in the morning. We've only had one day of conference and I always feel like by day two, you're like, okay, we can still do this. We'll see how we are on day three, but day two is like a yeah, there's a, a lot going on. We're going good. We're and going I haven't good. had my morning coffee yet, so that's... <laughs> we'll make we'll sure you get your morning coffee very, very <laughs> soon. Well, I'm thrilled that you come by to have a chat to us today. You had your presentation yesterday and it was all about participation. Uh, so your, your presentation title was The Experiences and Perceptions of Participation in Daily Life of Adolescents and Young Adults with Cerebral Palsy. A scoping review. I mean, I love every single word that you Quite put mouthful, in there. Quite a mouthful, isn't it? I feel like all of our titles are mouthfuls. <laughs> it's like how much information and detail can you fit into <laughs> exactly. one sentence? <laughs> exactly. How can I pull people in so they get all the components of yeah, it? Yeah, keywords. Um, but obviously this work represents like a whole team of work, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, um, so your main affiliations are through CP Achieve, fabulous uh, group of researchers there. Absolutely love you guys. Uh, Murdoch Children's Research Institute and an honorary at the University of Melbourne. So mm. really well connected there it seems. I work in an incredible team and I I feel like I repeat it often it's just one of those sort of pinchy <laughs> moments it's just a really really generous and encouraging yeah, team. Yeah and I think that's that makes those environments encourage and breed good research don't yeah, they absolutely. and it's those collaborations that make it worthwhile in terms of the end game of what we're trying to get to. Mm, and I feel like um, we've spoken to Professor Christine Imms many times now and once on the podcast and she often talks about participation not just being an ends but a means and and I love that whole messaging and when I saw the title you know your title is it draws people in and I think that's a really important factor there's so many things there like young adults with cerebral palsy even just saying that means that we need to think further ahead Mm. But why is it that you got into this area of research in the first place? I'm really curious about that story. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I think I probably grew up in a family that really valued inclusion of all people that's and awesome. just had that understanding that disability and sickness were part of life, but mm-hmm. also so was support and care. Uh-huh. And I think I'm probably someone who, yeah, when I choose work, it's values driven. So. Great. I've, yeah, I'm a physiotherapist mm-hmm. and I've always worked with um, young people with disabilities. Yep. And when um, when the funding for CP Achieve came through uh-huh. and this postdoc position came through, I had um, my second daughter and she was quite young uh-huh. and I just thought, this I've, I've got to do this, you know, it's just, it just, yeah, I guess it's it one of those matches. opportunities. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the things like, I love talking about, you know, when your values align with what it is that you get to do, it, 
you know, of course it's work because, you know, you have to research, you do all of that, but it, it resonates with you so much, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, the perspectives are important. It's not a drudge to go to work. It's it's working for something that you yeah. feel is important. And, That's and so cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, tell us a bit more about this actual, um, the presentation that you did yesterday now. What was the main aim? What was the main purpose of you performing um, the scoping review? Because yeah. that's a lot of work. <laughs> it is, it is. And I have to say it's yeah. a, a really big team effort. Mm. Um, I think there's... Um, there have been a number of reviews looking at more um, quantitative outcomes yes. of participation yeah. or just um, yeah, general experiences of young people with CP. And we really wanted to explore the participation experiences mm. and the perceptions uh-huh. of this um, really critical phase of life, this yeah. young adult phase. Yeah. Um, so the main aim really was, well, there are a couple, but um, <laughs> to identify the literature that yeah. was out there. Yeah. Um, and to, I guess, collate yep. those experiences. Yep. And then we wanted to really understand specifically what the barriers and the facilitators, I know there are such overused words, but everyone knows what they I mean, um, <laughs> to participation yeah. are yeah. Um, in this life, state, uh, life stage. And I mm. guess when we're saying participation, we're talking about um, those really key life situations yeah. of young adulthood, so sure. like education, employment, relationships, mm-hmm. healthcare, wow. things like that. Yeah. And it, we sort of try to tease it out in terms of attendance and involvement as well. Like, is that how you sort of framed what that participation That was like? part of the yeah. um, inclusion-exclusion criteria. Right. So yeah. we used that definition of Fabulous. participation mm-hmm. and studies needed to look at participation, I guess, experiences, sure. qualitatively, quantitatively, yeah. and with that lens of attendance or involvement. Yeah. And is that why you chose to go down the path of a scoping review? Just to sort of broaden, you know, the, the kind of studies that you could include? That's a good question. I think scoping reviews can be really useful when you don't quite know what's out there, the yeah, lay of sure. the land. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really know the lay of the land. Like we knew that there were a few papers describing Mm. experiences, Mm. but we wanted to know the lay of the land and Mm. we weren't looking to produce um, like clinical guidelines, I guess, which is something more for a systematic review. Yeah, yeah. And why did you choose experiences? Mm. (laughs) I think just we wanted to know how young people with CP were experiencing Mm. how they were feeling, what Mm. their perceptions were, what their um, reflections were on this stage of life. There's, there's measurements that, that tell us about their reduced participation um, quantitatively, but not how they feel about it or how they feel about their interactions Mm. in those situations. Mm. So that was really key for us is, yeah, understanding that, that, that period through that yeah. lens. I love that you've done that because when you look at that lovely family of participation related constructs and it's the experiences that it's such a key element. I mean, we can all relate to it, right? If we experience something positively, we're more likely to go back and do it. Mm. <laughs> but if we don't, we're, you know, we're less likely to, and then there's more barriers. So I'm really interested now, what kind of studies did you find? Like what... What was out there? Yeah, well, we included 34 papers oh, wow, that covered 32 wow. studies. Okay. Um, they were mostly qualitative, so I think 17 of those were qualitative. Uh-huh. Um, and predominantly, so 20 of those studies gathered data through um, individual interviews. Okay. Um, they were mostly, um, I think, actually all Western countries, so... Okay. Um, Canada, the Netherlands, Australia, America, Sweden, 
maybe one each from the UK and Ireland. Right, okay, um, okay. Yeah. And were they, what kind of, were they sort of experiences following an intervention in particular? Or? There were a couple like that. Yeah. Um, there were a couple that were looking at elements of, um, I guess, the experiences in particular life situations. Sure. Like some of them were healthcare or uh-huh. um, like uh, eating with friends. Oh, um, okay. So some of them focused on particular life situations. Okay. Some were a little bit broader. Okay. Um, well, that's really yeah. interesting. And that I, you know, I don't think I've really seen many articles like really specifically on this. It's gr- so great that you've done a scope and review where you can start to pull that out now. Yeah. So what did you actually find? What were the main themes that came through on oh, this? That's a really great question. <laughs> so we um, came up with this idea of the the overarching theme being claiming my adulthood. So the, I guess from reading the papers, the young adults already knew who they were and they already had a strong sense of identity, what they valued, Mm. what they wanted to participate in Mm. and how they wanted to be supported across um, the life situations. Wow, okay. Um, And we found that... um, the participation experiences in the different life situations were fairly similar, mm-hmm. um, except for healthcare and disability services. Um, okay. And that's, that was the focus of my presentation yesterday, given the time limits. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> um, sure. It was, it was just that element that we focused on. Oh, okay. Talk us through more about that. I'm so curious about that. That's great. Sure. So um, I guess big picture, we, we looked firstly at how um, preferences were developed mm-hmm. and then we looked at how um, I guess those interacted. Mm-hmm. Um, so young people's preferences for their participation in healthcare settings were predominantly developed through their time in the paediatric healthcare system. Right. And that came through really clearly. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I think what was also really clear was that um, there was this really strong development of preferences mm. as young people move through adulthood, which is expected. Mm, yeah. But it looked like different healthcare needs and different healthcare wants um, during this time. And there was a little bit of tension in this um, with the young people and those involved in their healthcare. So predominantly their parents um, and their healthcare providers. Um, So young people talked about parents who they really, um, really trusted and loved, but um, maybe not stepping back to make space for them to develop their autonomy Um, and healthcare professionals perhaps not taking um, the young person's desire for um, increased autonomy and collaborative decision-making seriously. Wow. This is such... I mean, there's there's such big things. There, I know, and I've they? just said it in two sentences, wow. which doesn't really no, flesh good. it out, right? But that's the <laughs> well, overall. There's a lot to, lot to digest there. Like you Absolutely. think about what the role parents have, and they spend so much time looking after their children. Absolutely, and that, and that that whole process of giving them that space and autonomy is a is a really tricky one. Absolutely, mm. and it, yeah, I think the word tension really just worked for that yes, you know it was it, it was still a loved and trusted yes. person but it's just this changing dynamic yes. which 
I mean, that happens for young adults and their parents yeah. across the board, doesn't for sure, it? It's for sure, yeah. And it's that also that trust here. knowing what's actually out there in available services to support yeah. their young people. Yeah, To definitely. be looked up, no one will ever look after them or support them as much as their parent. Yeah, we know yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So that was the development of the preferences. Okay. Would you like to know what the actual preferences were? I would love were? to know what they are, yep. So the preferences... Um, for health and disability services yep. for young adults with CP were for um, respect, uh-huh. for informed choices, uh-huh. um, for collaboration with okay. the healthcare providers, yep. um, for expert advice, okay. and for centralised communication. And Those I think are great topics. Aren't they? I love that. And I think you can see some of the reflections from the paediatric services you and absolutely you know, how that was developed. Yeah, so, yep. yeah. That's incredible. So what does this mean? Like where, how can we take this information now and, and, and move it forward and like and act on it, I suppose, yeah. right? Well, um, we looked at the, the themes beyond that and mm-hmm. we mapped them to the family of participation-related constructs, yeah. which is such a, <laughs> a really beautiful construct. It is, yeah. Um, and it was really quite overwhelming, the... Um, the environmental elements for the participation experience of young people in these healthcare settings, mm. they just dominated and they were all really okay. they were all really negative. So oh, wow. it was things like there were insufficient services available. Um, there wasn't a lot of guidance to navigate these really complex new systems. Right. Um, the systems were burdensome okay. um, in right. terms of energy and um, yeah. psychological cost. Um was felt that autonomy wasn't supported and all of these things combined to um, make the environment unacceptable, really, um, for young people with CP, which was really... That's pretty confronting, really, isn't it? It really was. Yeah. And um, to add to that, then, we mapped the the context. Mm -hmm. So the context that... um, these young people are experiencing the healthcare sector within is mm-hmm. with their trusted supporters mm-hmm. um, and with their trusted supporters they often encountered um, a lack of knowledge around CP okay. and the issues that face adulthood, um, questions of intellectual capacity, things okay. like that. Yep. And then once they were in the sessions they found providers with insufficient knowledge um, and you know, that's such a change for them from paediatric services and yeah. misconceptions of disability, things and like that. And looping back to that sort of tension again, like we're talking about having someone who knows you so well to help you and go into a space and advocate for you. And, and yeah, you can ima- I can imagine how all, of the, how all of those factors really relate. Absolutely. Yeah. So once you actually get to the participation, mm. the participation element of mm. attendance is so reduced yes. because of those Yes. Reduced services at the structural level. Yeah. Um, and then young people found that their involvement wasn't taken seriously yeah. when they were in sessions. Yeah. You know, the onus was on them. Yeah. But they had minimal support. Yeah, sure. And yeah, it's it, it, a bit of a shock, really. Yeah. So, so where to then? What can we do? Mm. Well, I just. <laughs> what are your main. I thoughts? just. I get. So firstly, this mm. is part one of our okay. interview, right? So we will touch on other elements of life sure. and so yeah. I'm just talking about the healthcare mm. and disability services. Mm. And it was so wonderful um, talking to Emma Livingston from mm. the UP 
um, CP movement and hearing her keynote yesterday. Like they are working on that context, on um, advocacy and on changing perceptions of disability Mm -hmm. and service provider knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that there are other people working on that too. Mm -hmm. So I think... Yeah, really intervening yeah. both at that really high level, structural yeah. level for actual availability of services. Yeah. But then really, I guess, changing attitudes about yeah. disability yeah. and perceptions and increasing the the training that's available yeah. for, for staff. Yeah. Um, and I think there's CB. some really practical things there because there are some – sometimes when you come to to these areas and you can see, like, there's a lot of barriers, it can be a bit overwhelmed to go, how do we tackle this? And it's wonderful to hear about organisations who are already set up trying to do that work. But on a practical level for clinicians, you know, all our children we work with will get older and become young adults and become adults. And so even in our language and how we can provide support and making sure they're heard and, mm. and um, you know, the topics you spoke about already, we can keep them in, in our forefront when we're, we're chatting to families too, right? Yeah, and yeah. even just um, I, know it, I know it's difficult at that really, um, you know, organisational level, but yeah. being in contact with with um you know, our colleagues in adult yeah. services and, yeah. and engaging, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah, look, it's really complex, yeah. but I, I, I'm i really encouraged by how much is happening that and, is so you wonderful. know, that awareness. Is so wonderful. Well, yeah. congratulations on this work. Congratulations on presenting this information and having your oral presentation yesterday. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. A pleasure uh, to join so you. Great. <laughs> so great. I'm so going great. to get my coffee now. <laughs> you going to grab your coffee now for sure. Thanks so no, much. No, that's absolutely wonderful. So, Remember to all the listeners, uh, just head to our website if you want links to this. But uh, we're going to keep interviewing people all through the day, even more um, information around this area. And I think we're just going to keep building and and support our knowledge translation from this amazing conference so far. So thank you once again, Stacey. Such a lot of fun. Thanks, Dana. Lovely. Thank you. And I'll chat to you all the guys again very soon. Bye. Thank you.